Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hey, you've joined us for part three in our series called Better, and we're learning in this series that the principles of God can make your life better. Yes, that includes eternal life, forgiveness of sins, salvation, but it also affects your finances and your career and your marriage. And in week one, we put up this wheel, and forgive me for being a car guy, if I can put anything on a car, I will, so just bear with me, but we thought about the domains of our life. And I asked you on week one, which area of your life would you most want to see God work? Is it in your vocation? Uh, If so, we talked about that last week and as an incredibly practical message for your career. Is it maybe in your family? Is it in your finances? Where do you want to see God work? And this week, I want to give you some principles that are going to help you no matter which area you want to see God work, because the reality is... These domains of life, they have to be in a balance of sorts. And the balance is different for you than for me. It's custom to each person. The amount of time and energy you need to be putting in at home, at work, uh, in your church, with God. How do you balance all of that? The reality is most of us, if you ask on a given day, how are you doing, we'll say something like, I'm just really busy or I'm stressed, or I'm overwhelmed. There's just so much going on. And I want to start by telling you about a time in my life where I had gotten so busy that this wheel had gotten out of balance. And I lived that way for a number of years, and while I'm not a person who's prone to depression, it actually led me into a season of depression where for about three months I was at my lowest low I lost motivation, which is not like me. I thought, I want to just do a different career, which is not like me. And what it was, was I was out of balance. I was too busy. And I want to help you today with these principles from God's word. Because if you're running at a pace that's unsustainable, uh, you're going to crash eventually. And God's got a better plan for you than to always feel stressed out, to always feel too busy, to always feel like you just can't fit everything into the day or into the week. And here's the question that we're asking. How can you have a better life and reduce stress? In other words, how can you accomplish the things you want to accomplish with your family or with your career or with your finances and yet not be burnt out, not be stressed out, not be aggravated and on edge? If you could reach more of your goals... If you could actually accomplish more of your desires while also being less exasperated, less busy, would you want that? Of course you do. We all do. And believe it or not, God speaks 
about this. And I just want to say right now, this is such practical material from the Word of God. If you're a note taker, prepare to scribble. Uh, if you're someone who takes pictures with your phone, as I look out, lots of you do that. Feel free today to take lots of pictures and lots of notes because just like last week's message could change your career for your life, this could change your pace of life for the rest of your life. If I could tell you how to be less stressed, less busy, while achieving more, would you want to know how? God talks about this. And we're actually going to pick up right where we were last week. We were in the book of Genesis when we saw that it's the nature of God to work. God worked for six days. But look at this. On the seventh, he rested. He rested from all his work. I love that it says all of his work because the reality is as a grown-up, you've got your official work at your job, but you've also got your work at home, right? Doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, getting the kids to bed, doing the laundry, paying the bills. All of that is work as well. And so God has this pattern where six time blocks of work are followed by a time block of genuine rest. You know, as Americans, uh, we tend to think of rest uh, in maybe an unhealthy way. We have this pattern where we live at an unsustainable pace so we can get to the vacation or, or get to the one day off, and then we just totally crash. But even when we crash, we don't really rest our minds. We're watching Instagram stories, and we're up late binging TV shows, and none of that's wrong. But if you will develop the skill and the rhythm of disciplining yourself to actually rest, you'll find that you have more time than you thought and that you're less busy than you thought. Look at this. He rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So here's our principle. God-like living. When we follow God's example and God's pattern, we get the important things done, the six days of work. It's not a purposeless life. It's not a life that's just a nonstop vacation. It's a life that is on mission. As we learned last week, it's a life that gives life and produces for other people. But it's a life that gets the important things done, notice this, with margin for rest. This is the way God wants you living. So how do we do this? I think we would all agree, like, yes, I want that. How do we do it? Well, I'm going to give you three steps in a moment, but let me first give you this beautiful scripture from Psalm 46 where God's word says this, be still and know that I'm God. If we're never still, we will miss out on knowing that he is God, knowing that he's going to provide for my family. He's going to provide the acceptance I need. All the other things that I'm striving for and straining for, the principle of what was called Sabbath is I will rest from my striving. Those words, be still, can be translated, cease your striving. I will rest from my striving because I believe there's a God who's over me. And my paycheck doesn't ultimately come from my boss. My food doesn't ultimately come from Meyer or from Kroger. God is my provider. And I can, one-seventh of my life, pause and relax and rest because he's in charge and he's my provider. Now, for much of Christian history, many followers of Jesus, Sabbath was Saturday, but many followers of Jesus would use Sunday as a literal Sabbath. 
In fact, if you were to go back about 100 years here in Indiana, most Christians on Sunday, they would go to church and then they would just spend the day resting at home. These are people who were physically working in their fields. And at harvest time, they had to get the crops, but on Sunday, they would rest. Now, I'm not suggesting you have to have a literal day, though it may be a helpful framework for you. But I'm suggesting that if you don't have predetermined times in your schedule weekly, not just annually, but weekly, when you rest, that you're going to feel busier and more stressed than you need to. So what does this actually look like for you? What does this actually look like for a mom or a dad or a student right now? Let me give you three steps that if you will actually document these and, and put these into practice, you will be less stressed and you'll actually get more done of what you want to get done. Three steps to reduce your stress and be your best, all based on the Word of God. First one, declare your priorities. you got to not just know your priorities. Uh, they're probably something like God is first, my family is second. You don't just need to know them. You need to declare them, which means write them down. Maybe post them on your bathroom mirror or maybe in the living room somewhere, depending on how far off track of overly committed and busy you are, declaring your priorities is like the snow tires that's going to get you out of that, okay? It's what's going to move you toward where you want to get. What is a priority? Very simple. It's identifying, here's what matters the most to me or to us as a family. Now, by the way, all three of these steps, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you aren't sure where you are spiritually, you can use these to increase your productivity and decrease your stress. Now, the advantage of being a follower of Jesus is we can look to God to say, God, you tell me what my priorities should be. Look at Luke chapter 10. We get a story of Jesus and priorities. And this is a great story because for most of us, the challenge is not between what's good and what's bad. All the things that make you too busy and too stressed, most of them aren't bad things. You're going to all your kids' athletic events, you're volunteering at school, you're paying the bills, you're working hard, you're doing what the in-laws want you to do. Those are not bad things, they're good things. For you to declare your priorities is not merely choosing between good and bad, it's choosing between good and better between good and better. And by the way, just a little life tip here, the more responsibility you agree to in life, the more intentional you have to be about this. So when you're in your 20s and you're unmarried and you've got all the time in the world, you can get away with you know, not being super clear about declaring your priorities, but every child you add, when you choose to marry someone and you commit, I'm now responsible for you for the rest of my life, when you take on more responsibility at your job, Every time you add another thing, you have to rebalance that wheel. You have to rebalance that wheel. And it might be that you're really stressed or really busy because you've added a few things. And it's time to declare your priorities and figure out what things do we need to let go of so that we can actually live the life of rest that God has designed for us. Well, in Luke chapter 10, we're told this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now let's pause there. This is a good thing, right? Jesus needs a place to stay. And Martha says, I'm going to open my home to you. Very good thing. Not a bad thing. 
Uh, in fact, I want you to just, let's make this real. I want you to imagine that Jesus is alive today, and he's like an itinerant prophet, and he travels around on foot with these 12 guys, and he comes through Hendricks County, and he needs a place to stay, and you say, Jesus, and your 12 guys who are sweaty and have been walking all day and haven't had a shower in like a week, you guys can all stay at my house. This is a big commitment on Martha's part, and it's a good thing. She's going to feed them. She's going to provide bedding. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary. So Jesus and his disciples come into the house. And Jesus is teaching. And Mary just sits down at Jesus' feet to listen. And Martha, motivated by a good thing, is scrambling about trying to get enough blankets, trying to get the meal ready. And as she's scrambling about and she's seeing Mary just chilling at Jesus' feet, little bit of resentment grows in her heart. I, I know this doesn't happen to any of you. I know you've never been there, but I have many times where I'm like, hey, why am I working so hard? And everyone else is just sitting on the couch watching TV, right? We've all been there. And look at this, verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she comes to Jesus, who's in the middle of teaching, and she asks him, Lord, don't you care? I mean, don't you see how busy I am? Don't you see how stressed out I am? Jesus, I'm doing all these good things for you. Like, don't you care? My sister, she's left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Love Jesus' response. Verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha. This is not a rebuke. This is a, a fatherly, dear Martha. Dear Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. Isn't that us, where we're too busy, where we're stressed out, where we're overwhelmed, we're worried, we're upset about many things? But few things are needed, Jesus continues. Actually, really, only one is needed, he says. Mary has chosen. So Mary's not being lazy Mary's choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus so she can hear the words of God define who she is and what her purpose is in life. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus as a choice, not out of laziness. And Jesus says, this is better. And Martha, at this point, Jesus has multiplied food, right? There was that story where the kid brings him the little lunch and he multiplies it to feed 5,000. Martha's stressing out about the meal and the bedding, and she has in her home the person who can just multiply food out of nothing, who could just, you know, speak and rooms add onto her house and all the beds are made. And it's not bad that she's trying to serve everyone. That's good, but she's lost her priorities. And because she lost her priorities, she lost her perspective. And Jesus says, there's a better way, Martha. He's not saying be lazy. He's not saying don't serve other people. He's saying keep God's priorities as you do. Being with Jesus, learning from him, make that your top priority. And I love this story because it's such a great example of choosing your best and better priorities, not just good priorities. Well, as I put myself in Martha's shoes and I thought about, you know, why would she have gotten so caught up in the moment? I realized there's a lot of, uh, of that in me, and there's probably a lot of that in you. So I listed out probably some of Martha's motivations that got her priorities off, 
And I'm guessing at least one of these is true in your life. I'm calling them worry bombs. Because remember, Jesus said you're worried about many things. Each of these worry bombs is something that if you drop this bomb on your weekly schedule, your weekly schedule will be obliterated and you will be stressed out and frazzled and too busy. What's a worry bomb? Trying to please or impress people. Martha knew, like, this is the Jewish custom. When we host someone, here's what we were taught as little girls. This is what we do as women in this culture. Mary was completely breaking from social norms and what was expected of her. Mary's priorities rose above the peer pressure and the social expectation. Galatians 1 verse 10, Paul the apostle says, if I were still living to please people, I wouldn't be the servant of Christ. Now, as servants of Christ, we live to serve people, but we're not living for their approval. Our approval comes from God. The book of Proverbs says that the fear of man is a snare. If you're living every day or every week to try to get the approval of your boss or your spouse or someone else, you're going to always feel too busy, too stressed out because people's expectations are a bottomless pit. They're a black hole. You will never, ever please them. So focus instead on pleasing God. Unhealthy perfectionism. I'll just admit, that's one of mine. Anyone who lives with me or works with me knows I have a high excellence bar, and no matter what I do, I never feel like it's good enough, and I've had to learn that while sometimes that can be a strength, most times it can be a weakness. I could work for 50 hours on something that I could spend two hours on, or I can become hypercritical of the work of people around me, and I have to be aware. If you're a perfectionist, you got to be aware. It can really, really harm the people around you. Unhealthy perfectionism is a worry bomb that won't just affect you. It'll affect all the people around you. How about not knowing your priorities? This is probably the majority of our neighbors. Some weeks and months, it might be us as well, that we're just... We're defined by what's urgent, right? The boss says, I have to do this at work, school, we have to do this. We have all these urgent things, and we're never really defining, like, what am I living for? What is my life about? We haven't declared our priorities. A fear or scarcity mentality, that's another worry bomb on your schedule. And that's another one of mine. Uh, I didn't grow up with much, and some of you are that way, and as a result, it is just it imprinted on me from childhood, no matter how hard I work, no matter how much I save, no matter how my investments are doing, it will never be enough for the fleshly John apart from God. And I have to remind myself, be still and know God is my provider. He's going to give me my daily bread. But on the days that I haven't done that and I work out of a scarcity mentality, I run myself into the ground. And that leads right into the last one, just forgetting God. That's what Martha did, right? Martha was doing a good thing. She's hosting 13 smelly dudes in her house. It's very generous. It's very kind. But she forgot that God was in her house. She forgot that Jesus is God. So I just want you to think in your life, have any of these worry bombs maybe been part of the reason why your schedule has exploded lately? And let's look back at the key verse 42. Jesus says, few things are really needed in life. I love that the Lord's Prayer, a model for daily prayer, is so short. Because really, just a few things are needed. And then Jesus says, really, if you really get down to it, there's really just one that's needed. What is that one? Sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him. Now, that doesn't mean that you spend seven days a week, you know, from sunup to sundown, you're just reading your Bible. That's not practical. Uh, you've got to go to work. You've got to feed your family. You've got to spend time with your family. But are you spending any time? 
sitting at Jesus' feet and listening? What has been number one in your schedule? Survival or listening to Jesus? So let's review step number one, declare your priorities. You gotta take step number one to do steps two and three. They build on each other. Let me give you a couple visual tools to help you as you decide to declare your priorities. Here's a, a visual of a pyramid behind me. Bear with me. It's counterintuitive, but what's at top is not the most important, but it is important. The foundation is the most important. And so if you were to say, what are my priorities? I would suggest from the word of God, this framework of number one is time with God. And that includes time with other believers, because that's his plan for you as a follower of Jesus. So weekend worship like you're doing, whether online or in person, you block that into your schedule and you say, that's something I'm going to do every weekend, and every day I'm going to at least have a moment with God. Time with your family. God has given you the responsibility as a mom or a dad, a husband or a wife, you have a God-given responsibility to that spouse and those children. Time at work and responsibilities, those have a way, you don't really have to like set out. Really what you have to do there is say, here's where those will end so that they don't overrun the rest of the week. And then the top one is perhaps the most counterintuitive, and it's the principle that we saw in Genesis. You've got to have some blocked out time where you cease striving. For me, that means turning off my phone. It means having some time where I'm not allowing other things to creep in. So I just wonder, as you look at this pyramid, which of these has been missing in your life? I told you earlier about a season in my life where I pushed and pushed and pushed, and it led me to a, a, a season of depression. That season of depression lasted about three months. And at first, I thought I could work my way out of it. And the harder I tried to work my way out of it, the worse it got. And I had to rest my way out of it. Now, that's what was out of balance for me on my wheel because of the way I'm wired. My finances were good. My vocation was good. I had not neglected my family, but I had completely neglected rest. Physically, I was only getting five hours of sleep a night. Should be getting a minimum of seven. But also even just mentally, I, I had been a car guy, and I, I thought I needed to give that up to get more done. There is no, you got to have healthy hobbies. You've got to have time where you just rest. Time where you sit and read or look out the window. How do you decide for yourself how all this fits together? Well, as I've suggested, each season of life, it's, it adjusts a little bit. It, you're kind of monitoring, and this is where being in a small group is so helpful. These are the kind of things we talk about in my small group of like, someone says, I'm struggling with work-life balance, and the rest of us, we don't try to fix the person in your small group, but you give suggestions of like, here's something that worked for me, here's something that didn't work for me. Or someone else in the small group says, I don't feel like I'm connecting with one of my kids. And the others can say, here's something that's working for us. Guides to your priorities. First is God's word. Uh, if your priorities are in line with God's word, all these principles are going to work even better. God's spirit. As a follower of Jesus, you have his Holy Spirit in you. And the spirit guides you in truth. If you ask. If you pause and be still and say, Man, God, I need your help. Something needs to drop from my calendar, or I need to get better at time management, or something else. Holy Spirit, will you show me how to do that? And then that's where God's people are also a great help. And notice it's not God's person. <laughs> Proverbs says there's wisdom in many counselors. Uh, be cautious of in your life just having one person who's the voice of God to you. Let the word of God be the voice of God. 
and have many counselors, like a small group, and, and then you've got the Spirit of God to say, does that line up with what the Word of God says? The beauty of a body of believers like this is we've all got people who are a little further ahead of us. So for example, my oldest is 12. I love going to lunch or breakfast with guys in our church who have kids that are about four or five years older and their kids are doing pretty well. And I just say like, what did you do? You know, how are you doing this? I want to learn from you. Well, here's step number two to reduce your stress. After you've declared your priorities, have a time where you sit down with a seven day a week calendar a blank one, and, and then flesh out, put in there, here's when we're going to rest. If you're married, here's when I'm going to have one-on-one -on -one time with my spouse uninterrupted. Build your priorities into a realistic, <laughs> speaking to all you perfectionists here, okay? Let me tell you from example. If you're like, I'm going to have every five minutes, every five minutes, you know, no, you got to leave a little margin, uh, I'm telling you, if you want to actually have that rest time be rest, you probably need about half a day in there that's blank for the stuff that comes up. Because some week the water heater's going to go out, some week the transmission's going to go out, some week you're going to get a call from school about your kid. Uh, there will be stuff. Some week you're going to have a massive fight in your marriage, and you're like, we just got to spend a little extra time this week. This is all normal stuff. If you don't have any margin built into your seven-day rhythm for that stuff, you're going to feel stressed and busy. Because the reality is this, we have to acknowledge our capacity. We are not God, but even he rested. <laughs> and yet we have this way limited capacity. We don't like to acknowledge that. It's like, how many hours of sleep do I really need? How many hours in a day can I really work? How much emotional capacity do I have in a week? And you build out your seven-day routine to be realistic for work, but also to be realistic for your marriage or any other relationships you've committed to, and you build into that routine, Genesis 2, on the seventh day, God rested. Now, as I've suggested, I don't believe that has to be a literal day, but it does really help if you know, hey, it's every Saturday from this time to this time, or every Sunday from this time to this time, I'm going to have a time where I rest. And it might not be the time that the whole family rests, it might just be the time that you rest. And of course, if you're married, you work with your spouse so that you're both able to build this and fit them together. Bottom line, if you don't own your schedule, your schedule will own you. If you don't own your schedule, your schedule will own you. And especially those of you who really love people and you've got a servant's heart and you want to help others, if you don't declare what your priorities are and then build them into a schedule, everyone around you who hasn't planned out their life will constantly be coming to you with their emergencies. And it's not that you shouldn't be a servant to them, but you're going to be a better servant to them when you've got a healthy routine so that you're rested. And when you say yes, you're able to really help without resentment. Part of this is delineating or distinguishing between the urgent and the important. I'll give you an example. What's urgent? Let's say you you own a business or you're a manager, there's a customer, important customer on the phone, and they are irate, they're livid, and they're just, you know, reaming out one of your employees. That's urgent. What's important? Building a system so that whatever aggravated that customer doesn't aggravate another hundred customers. What's important is actually more important than what's urgent, and there are certain urgent things like the transmission or child's having a hard time at school that we have to jump on those things. But declaring your priorities helps you get the important things done 
rather than living a frenetic life where you're jumping from one urgent thing to another and you're just running on adrenaline and eventually you crash. Think of this from Genesis. If you will time out your priorities, that is you look at, okay, here's an average Sunday to Saturday for me and and I'm gonna time out. Here's blocks of when I do what God has called me to do in my life. When you do that and you include rest in there, you are expressing the nature of God. You're becoming like Christ, who very often got away from the crowd. It wasn't always on the Sabbath. There were plenty of times that everyone showed up. They're like, where's Jesus? Oh, he's, he's away praying. Why did Jesus do that? Did he not love people? No, he was modeling for us this exact principle. God-like wisdom conforms my time and my resources and energy to fit God's priorities for my life. It's very interesting. We all have 24 hours in a day. From the poorest person in a developing world country to the wealthiest billionaire, everyone has 24 hours in a day. And there are some people who use those 24 hours intentionally, and at the end of their life, they've built a legacy, and the things that mattered to them will outlive them. And then there are other people who just fritter away the time. But they all got the same 24 hours. So I have to correct myself on this a lot. I'm like, if I had one more day in the week... Or if I just had like a 30-hour day instead of a 24-hour day. But the reality is I don't need more time. I need more intentionality with my time. And if I've added something new, I've got to revisit. Have have I declared my priorities? Have I built my calendar to actually fit those priorities? I'll give you one more tool as you're doing those two steps. This is a good one to take a picture of. Start with the biggest rocks. In other words, the visual is you've got a jar, a glass jar. It has limited capacity. You've got all these rocks on the table. You've got to put the biggest ones in first. And then you put the little ones in around it, as many as you can fit. But at a certain point, you realize there's no more space for little rocks. But that's okay. I got the big ones in there. What are the big ones? Your personal time with God. Does not have to be two hours a day. Start at five minutes if you need to. Have some time where you're sitting at Jesus' feet. That will put everything else into perspective for your day and your week. Secondly, if you've committed in marriage to someone They are your next priority according to the word of God. And if you're never having time in a given week where you sit down and you look in each other's eyes and and the kids aren't screaming and it's not 11 p.m. and you're both exhausted, that marriage is going to start to suffer eventually. If you want that marriage to be healthy and happy, you've got to make that time for it. Again, it does not have to be 10 hours a week, but at least 30 minutes or a couple hours where every week it's the two of you connecting with each other. Time with any children, if you've committed to have children. Your weekly worship with church. That Jesus models that of the disciples. They would go into the synagogues and we're told in the New Testament because when we come here, we get from the word of God guidance like we're getting right now. Your work and responsibilities. Obviously, that one has to be there. And then your rest, especially if you're an achiever or a doer, don't neglect your rest. Now, I know we're all different personality types. So for some of you, one of these comes really naturally. If you're very extroverted, people-oriented, you're you're probably not going to struggle with making time for your spouse or your kids, but you might struggle with one or the others. If you're a big-time achiever, you're probably going to struggle with, am I actually resting in life? And here's what I would suggest as you build out that weekly routine. Every one of these things should have a predetermined time. Every week, it should have a predetermined time. Any of them that you leave off and you're like, well, we'll fit that in when there's extra time, you just declared it doesn't actually fit in. 
because there's not extra time. We all know that. There's not extra time. Well, if you're wanting to get that first one of time with God and you're not sure where to start, we've got a simple tool to help you. It's a daily devotional that we text out. It's only about 60 seconds to three minutes. And this actually is a text message that you get on your phone every day. You just click the link and it's just me reading a Bible verse and saying, here's a thought for today. It's very short. If you're, if you're thinking, how do I spend a little time with God every day? This is a great first step. So if you want to do that, text the word daily just on your phone. Just uh, text to the number 71093 for the message right in the word daily, and that'll get you started. And then you can always go deeper into that passage with your life application study Bible. Okay, so I'm going to assume that all of you, if you haven't yet done this, you're going to go this afternoon and you're going to make these two steps because you love yourself and your family enough to start owning your schedule rather than your schedule owning you. And so let me warn you that as soon as you do this, you're going to run into a problem. I don't want you to be discouraged when it happens. And the problem is this. It's called space invaders. When you say, this is what I'm spending my time doing, there's going to be some people in your life who will not be happy about it because they want more of you than there is of you. And believe it or not, Jesus models this for us as well in John chapter 11. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. We're actually picking up on Mary and Martha. Totally different story, but it's the same two sisters. This is their brother named Lazarus. Verse 4, they send a message to Jesus who's in another city, and they say, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. You've spent time in our home. We know you. We've connected. Like We're, we're you know, thick as blood. We're, we're like family. Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Come on and come, come heal him. And in verse 4, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. And then he says the most powerful word in the English language, the favorite word of every toddler, no. Think about this. Here's Jesus. He can heal Lazarus. They see Lazarus is about to die. And Jesus says no. In fact, verse 6, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, all of you who are people pleasers, your skin's just crawling. You're like, how could someone do that? He could help, and he didn't help. Step three, set boundaries around your priorities and get good at saying no. Now, this might seem like Jesus didn't love Mary and Martha, but the same passage actually tells us Jesus loved Mary and Martha. Two days later, he will travel there. Lazarus has died, and Jesus raises him from the dead. Because when it fit into God's priorities for Jesus' life, he got there. But Jesus' life wasn't set by Martha and Mary or Lazarus. It was set by God the Father. Set boundaries around your priorities and then get good at saying no. Now, part of get, getting good at saying no is not being a jerk about it, okay? And also, with your work, saying no you want to be kind of sophisticated and wise about that, right? You don't want your boss being like, oh, this person never shows up. But rather you say, hey, these are the times um, that I don't want to be called or texted, or these are the times I'm unavailable. But when I'm on, I'm there. We talked about that last week. So say no with wisdom, okay? Uh, sometimes when, when life's out of balance, it's like we're pulling on a thing and it finally gives way and we can go to the other extreme, and if you've been a little out of balance, you might just be like, oh, Pastor John said no. And you go out this next week and you're like, boss, no. Spouse, no. Kids, no. 
Now, you might need a little of that fire inside of you, but use some wisdom as you go about actually saying the no. So what are some examples of this? Well, your child being in sports and excelling at sports, that's a good thing. But if you've declared your priorities, your child's character development and their spiritual progress is a higher priority. So there might be a time when the child's coach says, this is urgent. Your child has to be here. And you might have to say, you know what? That doesn't fit our priorities or that doesn't fit our schedule. And thankfully, with online services, you can be flexible, et cetera. There's a lot. You've got more ways to work around than ever, but you've got to own your schedule. And you've got to have some times where you say, actually, my child's character development and their spiritual progress is a higher priority to me. So I'm going to say no to this perhaps one situation that is very urgent to someone else. Similar with work. Uh, If you have no boundaries with your boss... They're, they're probably going to utilize you more than they need to. And as we said last week, we should be the best workers in town and in the world as followers of Jesus. But you can do that. If you're doing a good job, your boss should respond pretty well to you saying, as I continue doing my best, here's a few boundaries that I need. Jesus said no in a socially awkward way that people misunderstood. I think about that. Now, Jesus was not trying to be socially awkward, but the way that he said no, people misunderstood it. And you've got to prepare for that. If you set out your priorities and you build them into your calendar as gently and wisely as you say no, there will be some people who won't understand. That's actually a really good sign. Because here's the thing. Aren't we in this series trying to live a better life? What is better? Above average. So if a person who's living an average life You tell them, here's why I'm saying no, because I've got these priorities. They're not going to understand that because they don't live that way. So if you're living a better life, there will be times that people living an average life aren't going to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And if there's none of those times, then maybe you're not living such a better life. And of course, there's lots of applications to this, right? When you're in high school and college and all your friends say, we're going to go get drunk. And you say, no, I'm living a better life. And they say, why wouldn't you do this? Everyone's doing this. You say, I'm living a better life. I have Priorities. I'm going to say no, even if it's socially awkward, even if you guys don't understand me. Now, here's what's so important. Why would we do this? Why did Jesus do this? Jesus was driven by God's priorities, not people's expectations. So none of this should be used as an excuse to be careless or reckless or cruel or selfish, selfish with the people around us. But Jesus did not live to try to please the people around him. He lived for the approval of God the Father, and that's why he was getting away to pray. And so be driven by God's priorities for your family. If you don't set your priorities for your family, someone else will. If you don't set your priorities for your life, a bunch of other people will. Let God set your priorities, and then as you actually live those out, you will have to, to some extent, tune out the expectations of other people. But we live knowing this, every yes is a no to something else, right? If Jesus had said, okay, Lazarus is sick, forget the ministry I'm doing in this village, I'm straight there, it it would have been a no to all those people in that village. Every yes we make is a no to something else. And so just be careful about what you say yes to. Be thoughtful. Ask yourself, does this fit our priorities, God's priorities? And then here's a, a, a final thought on step number three. Once you've built God's priorities into your schedule, 
Uh, and as I've suggested, this might, this will take some experimenting. If you're married, I would suggest, you know, you both kind of write out your first draft and then you pray to bring them together. Um, you might have a little conflict in that. That's normal. Keep pushing through. Okay. Put each other first and, and figure that out. And then you're going to start maybe saying some no's to the in-laws or to some other people in your life, to things that are good and they're people that you love. But those no's then become the regular weeding of a well-kept garden. Uh, someone could give you a perfectly manicured garden. And if you don't attend to it and do the weeding uh, within a month or so, it's going to look pretty miserable. And so you build this and then it's those gentle, wise no's that will keep the weeds from growing up. If you'll do these three steps, I'm telling you from my life, more importantly, these principles are in the word of God. You will actually get more done of what you want to do. Uh, I have met people in life who've gotten way more done, and, and then you meet them, and they're rested. And it's like, wait, how are you getting so much done, and you're rested, and I'm hardly getting anything done, and I'm frazzled and stressed out? It's these three steps that make the difference. You can get more of what you want to do done, more of what God wants you to do, all while being less busy, less stressed than if you just roll with whatever everyone else wants you to do or just kind of winging it. Now, I'm not promising that you won't have any stress or busyness. We live in a fallen world, and you will. But you'll at least have a framework to make the decisions. And when you make a hard decision of, this is really hard to say no to this, but I'm going to say no, you'll have peace about it because you know it aligns with God's priorities for your life. So here's a, a phrase that Mel and I have. I'll show you the image first called the oxygen mask. Mel and I had uh, some marriage counselors when we lived in Arizona, and they said this, what your kids want from you is more than they need from you, and it is like an endless black hole. And, and so you as the parent have to know when, okay, I've given that child enough, now I need to take care of myself or take care of my spouse. And so the phrase that Mel and I use is the oxygen mask, because when you're on a plane, um, they say, if the oxygen masks drop down, don't put it on your child first. And you think, what? How cruel? How selfish? How mean? No, that child is a dependent, and if you try to get theirs on first and you don't get yours on, you could both die, and so you've got to take care of yourself. That's one of the implications of Sabbath rest. Put your own oxygen mask on, then you can put them on your whole family and some neighbors, but you've got to take care of yourself first, and so Mel and I have this phrase, when things get a little too busy, and we can tell like we're not getting enough rest or we're not connecting, we'll just say, we've got to oxygen mask it. Is this shorthand in our family for knowing we love the kids, we love the church, we love God, we love all these other things, but if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be a lot of help to the kids or to the church or to all the other things that we're called to in life. So it's not not being a servant. Jesus was the greatest servant of all, but he modeled this because we have finite energy, time, and strength. We must have God's priorities to serve others well. All right, well, hopefully you got some notes in there. I gave you guys some real homework this week. So let me pray to wrap this up, and then we've got exciting baptisms ahead. Father, thank you, Lord, for Sabbath. Thank you that we can be still and know that you're God. Lord, we all admit that we haven't known you as God in some areas of our life because we haven't been still. We've been striving, Lord. We've been just doing our best like Martha. 
lot of sweat, a lot of toil, a lot of worry, a lot of stress and busyness that we weren't meant to carry. God, we really need your Holy Spirit's wisdom and we need each other to help us put a message like this into reality. What does it look like for each of our specific lives? And so, Lord, I just pray for every sister, for every brother. Pray for every student, for every mom. Lord, I pray for the moms. I pray for the dads. I pray for the husbands and wives. I pray for the grandmas and the grandpas. Lord, that you would give us a divine wisdom, a Solomon-like wisdom as we read your word and as we ask you for wisdom and as we seek you to build out seven-day rhythms that put you first, that prioritize our family, that get the work done with some margin to be still, know that you're God. Lord, lead us in this. We want to walk at this rhythm. We just admit that without your help, we can't figure it out, but we claim that with your help, we can. So we're claiming that, and now we will not only be hearers of the word, but doers also. We're going to go and obey you in these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.